Psalm 23, verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. All right. Thank you very much for reading that, Joyce. She's also my mom, too, but you guys know her as Joyce. (laughs) I want to welcome you to Radiant. If you didn't see it at the welcome table, we have our identity statement put up right in front in a picture frame, this idea that we are a family of missionary servants sent to be and make disciples that make disciples. The reason that we have that is if you take that idea of the church being on mission, living as family, living as servants, making disciples and make disciples, that sums up the, the handholds of what it means to be the church. Because we don't want to just simply go to church on a Sunday and say, hey, we did our due diligence and now we're good. But when you look at the church in scripture, it's about being the church. When Jesus has radically changed your life, that comes out in a powerful way and we are called to be together in community on mission to make disciples. Uh, before we jump into Psalm 23, just a couple of quick announcements. We have a men's event that is coming up this weekend. It's going to be Friday night through Saturday. Uh, Rick Soley, he's the guy who is up here praying, uh, is coordinating that. So I'd encourage you to talk with him if you're a guy. We're going to be out from Friday night to uh, around noon on Saturday. So be sure to talk with him. Uh, Another thing we're planning on doing, we're going to need to be pushing this back a week, but uh, in a couple of weeks, we're going to do what's called um, a gender identity cohort. And as odd as that name may sound, I can't think of a better one, but the intent behind it is there are issues that arise within our culture. Um, One of the big ones right now is this idea of gender identity and what that means throughout scripture. And it's hard to address those specifically, directly, and deeply within a sermon. And so we want to set aside a handful of weeks where we want to invite you to come, take a topic, whether it's that or in the future, we're planning on doing one on politics, to be able to take God's word and let that be what directs us in understanding it. Let the truth of God's word, and not just one specific verse, but to see the story arc of the Bible and see, well, how does it address these topics that are real, that are present, that we're seeing just be a part of all sorts of areas of our lives? So we're going to have more information about that. Um, Most likely, we're going to do a sign-up through the church app, which we're getting up to fully functional. So there's a QR code on the welcome table. I think there's one that circulates through the announcements up on the slides. Be sure to get that, download it. Um, talk with Amanda uh, if you have any questions about that. If you don't know who Amanda is, then you can come talk to me, and I'll direct you to Amanda, because she's really smart and knows this. So with that, uh, let's pray before we jump into God's word. Father in heaven, it's a amazing that we can come every week, that we can open up your word and find truth for today. God, help us not to neglect that in our lives. Um, Jesus, I pray that even at this time, we would just humble ourselves. We'd humble ourselves and desire to hear your voice above all the other voices that come at us during this week. As we walk through even one verse, Jesus, just reveal how deep and how glorious, 
how amazing, how loving you are as a father, as a shepherd, as a savior, as a king. Um, Jesus, we just pray against the enemy right now and his lies and his works that come against us that seek to keep us from following your paths of righteousness for your name's sake. Jesus, we, we thank you for this time, and it's your name we pray. Amen. So I'm just going to read Psalm 23, verse 4 again. That's the, the main text we're going to be in. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Recently as a church, we've just gone through some difficult, some confusing times, and so we're taking a break through going through the Gospel of Matthew to really engage our hearts through the Psalms. They're, the Psalms are like poetic songs that are used in prayer. If you're looking at understanding how to pray and what it means to pray scripture, I would direct someone right to the Psalms. And that's what we hope to do in walking through in three weeks Psalm 23 is not only do we know and understand the Psalm better, but that we're actually taking time uh, to pray through it together. So I'm, I'm going to give a, a shorter than usual sermon and then lead us through a couple of prayer points because my heart is just like, um, for me, one of, one of the most powerful things that happened in my growth in Christ is when I understood how to pray scripture. And not just like saying it verbatim, but understanding the heart of scripture to the point where the, the truths of scripture become my desires, become my prayers, and I'm able to understand what's going on in my life through the right lens, which is God's word. So those are kind of our two things that we want to grab from Psalm 23. Um, in general, in Psalm 23, we see three environments that Jesus is a shepherd, God is a shepherd, walks us through, along with three promises. So last week, we looked at the environment of green pastures and still waters and how that points towards how he provides abundantly for us and what we most need for our soul's restoration. Today, we're looking at the valley and how he promises to protect us completely from evil. And then the next week, we're going to look at the table and how he is present with us always. So this week, we're, we're looking at the valley and how the Lord protects us as a shepherd. So... When I think of Jesus as a shepherd, especially as I grew up in the church, the, the image on the screen above might be one that comes up. And it's this, honestly, it's a really strange picture when I think of it outside of the context of growing up in the church. Um, and the reason why is because what this, is, I believe, emphasizes when you see a picture like this is the, the gentle nature of Jesus. He's barefoot. The, the lambs are nice and quiet circling around him. It may make you think of the first three verses of Psalm 23 about this idea of green pastures and still waters. But to be perfectly honest, I wouldn't want that guy protecting me in a dark valley. That's, that's not what I imagine, whether it's a dark valley or even a dark alleyway. If I was looking for someone to protect me from a ravenous wolf or someone who comes to steal a sheep, this image wouldn't come up into my mind. And the reason I bring this up is this is where we can go in our relationship with Jesus, is when we're not dependent on the shepherd, when present evil comes at us, Sometimes we, deep down in our heart, don't believe Jesus is enough to protect us because we've got a distorted image of who Jesus is. Yes, he is loving and gentle, 
but he's also going to come hard against evil in this world. We can jump off that picture now. So we're going to just go over two points within this verse. Walking through valleys and fearing no evil. When we look at the valley, the fact that David includes this, especially through the lens of a shepherd, is there's an acceptance that dark valleys are a reality of life. He's not trying to cover it up. He's not trying to ignore that there are real and present dangers and hardships within life. He's not trying to pretend that somehow you can just magically click your fingers and the bad things just go away. As a shepherd in this time, there were moments during the cycle of the year where you've got to lead the sheep to where they're going to find provision, where they're going to find grass, where they're going to find water. And in leading them to that place, it can mean that you have to go through dark valleys in order to get there. But these are dangerous locations. If you think about even sheep and the way they are, like if you're in a valley, it's confining. It means that the predators have an opportunity to seek the sheep. It may offer up an opportunity for someone who's looking to snag one of those sheep, walk off and make a quick buck from that. Now, to help understand a little bit better how David is even using this, if you're reading in the ESV, there's a little note by the valley of the shadow of death. And the footnote will say something to the effect of darkest valleys, that you can translate that same word into darkest valleys. So if you read other uh, solid versions of the Bible, like the CSB, you actually see that the, 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 the valley of the shadow of death is translated as darkest valleys. They can be interchanged. And again, if you read in the CSB, there's going to be a little footnote, and it says you can translate this as the valley of the shadow of death. Now, I don't want to belabor the point too long. The reason I want to bring that up is sometimes in reading this psalm, sometimes people will take just that line, valley of the shadow of death, and think it only applies to people who are struggling with literal death, whether it's they're going to their deathbed or they've walked through someone who's gone to death as well. When we understand the darkest valleys is a broader way of interpreting this Hebrew word, it opens up the door for all of us. Um, Augustine, an, old, an ancient church father, said this, as long as you remain in this present life, you are walking in the midst of vices, of worldly p- pressures, which are the shadow of death. And if you go all the way back to the garden, and remember that Adam and Eve were, were given a rule to follow. You can eat of the fruit of all the trees in the garden except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And what was the consequence of eating from it? It was death. Now, that included physical death, but it wasn't just physical death. Otherwise, Adam and Eve would have just flopped over dead after taking a bite. But it was much more than that. The death was also about the, the death to the whole and healthy relationship with God. And so dark valleys, when we look at it from this lens, are the consequences of evil entering into our world. I mean, think about it, when people go through disease, a sadness, depression, poverty, separation from friends, any type of tragedy in this life is a foretaste of death. And here's the truth about the dark valleys that we walk through. We don't have to die in those valleys. We don't have to sit down and let those valleys 
define us. And this is what I mean by this. I went through a dark valley several years ago, and I was a widower for a time. And when you're a widower, that becomes like your reality, and you begin to identify yourself in a certain way. You begin to see yourself as a widower. That, that's, and if you stay there, you live in misery. Now, the fact that I was a widower is, it wasn't going to change at that point. But I didn't have to let it define me. And so walking through a valley like that in real life, I had to find my identity in the shepherd who was leading me. We cannot let the valley, whatever valley we may, going through, we may be going through, small or big, we don't have to allow that to define us. That's why in, it's so powerful within this verse that the shepherd is present with us, leading us through the valley. We don't stop and sit in it. We go through it. We don't try to ignore it or try to go around it. We go through it with the shepherd. We don't let evil lead us. We let the shepherd lead us. So while the, the valleys are a reality for the sheep, so too is the protection of the shepherd. So that leads us to the, the next part where it says, I will fear no evil. Have you ever asked that question recently of yourself? What is evil? And why would we need to fear it? See, this, this evil is contrasted with the previous verse. If you look in it, it says, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. So evil then is what distorts that path of rightly following Jesus. It, it, it distorts that path and it pulls us away from dependence upon the shepherd, dependence upon Jesus and his path of righteousness. A theologian, Cornelius Plantinga, said, evil in turn is the disruptance, disruption or disturbance of what God has designed. And in, in two very broad and general categories, we see evil in a couple different ways. One is, is we see the evil within us. Our vices, our sins, our inclinations that pull us from Jesus in his paths of righteousness. And have you ever been in that place where it seems that Sin or whatever vice is so strong that it, it seems impossible to let it go. It's like it's got this chokehold on your life. That's the power of evil. And there's evil without as well. There's evil actions that people are doing throughout our world or to us that create these valleys. And in those valleys, it's often that the temptation comes to think that Jesus doesn't care that Jesus isn't present, that he won't provide, and that he can't protect us. And when we listen to evil, when evil is our guide, it's always going to end up in the same place. It's going to end in death. And then ultimately, physical and spiritual death. Its intent is to permanently separate us from the shepherd. But this is where the protection part comes in. This is where... We don't have to fear evil. Why? Because first of all, the shepherd walks with us. He walks with us he, so that we can walk boldly through the darkness. As a kid, I grew up in Alaska, so if you didn't grow up in Alaska, this may not make sense to you. But I grew up, and as we know, 
as winter approaches, it gets a lot darker out. I had a neighbor's house that was about a quarter of a mile from where I lived, and I remember like the times when I had to like walk back to my house through the woods. It was the worst thing in the world. And what I was fearing was moose. Because as funny as they look, when you grow up in Alaska, especially down in the area I grew up in, like moose are killers. They're going to run over you. That's what you grow up with. And so you learn all the proper techniques if you run into a moose and how to back up. But walking down that road, that's what was going through my mind is like, what happens if it shows up and runs me down? And as funny as that may have, or well, not funny for, you know, seven, eight-year-old Ben, but as funny as it is looking back at it now, no matter what life throws at us, whatever dark valley we are confronted with, evil doesn't win against God's people. Evil doesn't win. We are not under evil's control or its power because the shepherd walks with us. Because if I had friends walking with me, or I had my family walking with me, we're laughing. We're enjoying the dark, peaceful dark night stroll back to the house because there's a presence. And I don't have to fear the moose because there are people with me. So the shepherd is with us. And then we see details that let us know not only is he with us, but he's not, he's not that shepherd that we saw up there. He's got a staff in one hand, and he's got a rod in the other. And that staff, what that represents, or maybe a shepherd's crook, um, is a tool of the shepherd. He uses it to guide the sheep. If they start going off in the wrong path towards the wrong area, he uses it. And if it has the little hook on the end of it, he's using that to get around their necks to pull them back. If it doesn't have that, it's giving them a loving tap, a loving firm tap to make sure that sheep gets in the right direction. So with, with that in mind, think of it in, in this way. Is not only is he leading us sometimes gently, but there are other times where he disciplines us where he's given us, as, as a mentor said, the, the firm, loving tap of the shepherd, trying to get us back. So with that image in mind, listen to these verses. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 through 14 says, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. And then Proverbs 3, 5 through 8. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Trust the loving taps of the shepherd who wants to direct you away from the path of evil and on the path of righteousness. But then we got another weapon that's described. It's a rod. It's a weapon to bring against the enemy. Whether that's predators or whether it's other human beings in the world of a shepherd trying to steal the sheep. But we know that there's a greater enemy 
who's come to steal the sheep or prey upon them. Satan is described as a roaming lion seeking to devour us. He's also described as a thief. He attempts to keep anyone he can from following Jesus as the good shepherd. And if he can't get you to hell, then he's going to attempt to keep you from being useful and spreading the good news of Jesus. And so the rod represents really the power and force of God's wrath that's ascribed in Scripture, that wrath being brought ultimately against evil. And so with that in mind, consider these, this, this verse, Colossians 2, 13 through 15. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. By canceling the record of debt that stood against us with his legal demands, this he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Now I'm going to read a, a commentary on that verse. It might make it a little clearer from Eugene Peterson. He says, when you were stuck in your old sin-dead life, you were incapable of responding to God. God brought you alive right along with Christ. Think of it. All sins forgiven. The slate wiped clean. That old arrest warrant canceled and nailed to Christ's cross. He stripped all the spiritual tyrants in the universe of their sham authority at the cross and marched them naked through the streets. And this, this is what God does towards evil. So David shows us that in the dark valleys, we can be completely protected from evil. It doesn't mean that we won't experience pain, trauma, loneliness, but it does mean in Jesus, those things don't have the power to overwhelm us. They can't separate us from God. Now, you may be reading this as a psalm in the Old Testament and be wondering, okay, how, why do you keep referring to Jesus when Jesus' name isn't even mentioned within this? That same Hebrew word used for the valley of the shadow of darkness is also used in Isaiah 9.2. Isaiah 9.2 says, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. Now the reason I bring this passage is because it's later used to point to Jesus being that light. So it points us back to Jesus as he referred to himself in John 10 as the good shepherd. You see, when Jesus went to the cross, Jesus walked through the dark valley of evil and death to walk us to resurrection. It is at the cross that evil is dealt with and that evil has suffered the greatest defeat. Imagine this now of what Jesus accomplished on our behalf. He became this magnet for evil, for all the sin that humanity has done against God, Jesus took it upon himself. Why? So that the rod of God and his wrath would come against him. And all those who have their faith in him are protected from that destruction of evil. So when Jesus spoke of himself as that good shepherd, he said in John 10, 10 through 11, he says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came 
that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays his life down for the sheep. So our primary defense against evil in this life happens through what Jesus accomplished on the cross. Because of what he accomplished, we have all the hope in the world. Because of what he accomplished, we can walk confidently through whatever valley comes against us. Because of what he accomplished, we can sing even when life is throwing all sorts of trials and tribulation at us. So with that in mind, I want to lead us through three prayer points together. So we did this last week, and I want to encourage you. We, we oftentimes, throughout our weeks, just don't have time to really sit in prayer. And so this may not be the most comfortable for you, but I want to encourage you to engage in time with Jesus as your shepherd through these prayer points. So if um, Brandon and Sammy come up, we're, what we're going to do is I'm going to walk through the prayer point, and then Baron, or sorry, Brandon and Sammy are going to just play some instrumental music while you spend some time praying. And then I'll come up here and pray to close the first prayer point. And then we'll repeat that with the second prayer point and then with the third prayer point. And these are going to be up on the slide um, to help you so that if you get lost in it, you can look back up and see. So we're going to go through a progression. The first prayer point um, is titled, walk, walk Through the Valley. So think about where you're at. What is constantly on your mind that you may be feeling anxious about? You may have a valley right now that you know of that's a difficult part of life. So give that to Jesus. Jesus, my current dark valley is and just pour your heart out. What is it? Describe it as much as you can. Bring it to Jesus in prayer. Maybe you're not in a dark valley, or even if you are, the second prayer point is, Jesus, I remember when you walked me through, and then remember a time where Jesus provided for you in a dark valley in your pre previously in your life. And then we want to finish up with Jesus as my protecting shepherd, you are able to. And just use the psalm, Psalm 23, to fill in the blank. As a protecting shepherd, remind yourself of what he's able to do. And then if you want, you can close your time with Jesus. I trust you as my shepherd that you are with me, and I trust the truth that I am not alone. I pray against Satan's lies that would have me believe that you are not good and that you are not with me. So, Baron and Sammy are going to play. We'll spend about roughly four, four minutes or so praying, and then I'll, I'll close us on this first prayer point.